Welcome to the Sabbath School Rescue Podcast with your host, Buster Swoops and Michael Campbell. This week in preparation for Sabbath, December 2nd, we look at Lesson 9, Mission to the Powerful. Together, let's explore how we can be empowered by Christ to reach those who seem unreachable. The Sabbath School Rescue Podcast is hosted by Michael Campbell and Buster Swoops at the Adventist Learning Community. Together, we love learning and have 18 years of pastoral experience, and now we have the privilege to dig deeper into the study. All right, Michael, I'm very excited about this lesson this week, Lesson 9, Mission to the Powerful, and our memory text, Matthew chapter 16, verse 26. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for a soul? Yeah, absolutely. Great verse as we are beginning this this first lesson or this lesson nine on mission to the powerful. And as we're thinking about how we connect, you know, there's there's nothing that can take away from the nothing. Everything else pales in comparison, I guess, is what I'm trying to say, even power to having a relationship with Jesus. It's so true. As we're as we're looking at this lesson, we're going to be talking about different individuals that in our eyes will be difficult to reach. I want the audience to start thinking about people in their lives. Maybe they've written off. Maybe they're politicians. Maybe they're rich people. Maybe they're people that are considering themselves atheists or agnostic, and you're saying they're unreachable. Well, the power of the Lord can do all things. So that's why we continue to pray for people. He's not going to force anyone, but nope. he'll give us opportunities to witness. In the Holy Spirit, we have no idea how someone can be reached, but they can be reached. And so, Michael, take us to that first character, Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah, and, and what a character he is, Buster. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and we're very familiar with this story, right? With uh, anyone that, you know, once you've gone through Daniel and Revelation, which is kind of bread and butter for, for most Adventists, but Nebuchadnezzar, the story as the as the king of, of Babylon, right? And, right? and so here we have this dream that's described for us. And in it, he hears a loud voice, verse 14 of chapter four, cut down the tree, trim the branches and strip the leaves, you know, and then he is looking at this and, and he suddenly has this, he wakes up from the dream and, and he has this sort of uh, palpitation, if you please, you know, like what does it mean? And, and so that's when he's needing someone to interpret the dream and, and he finds Daniel course, we tend to talk about some of the later prophecies in Daniel, but here is this earlier one where he is telling him that verse 20, the, the tree that you saw, which grew large and strong with its top touching the sky, visible to the whole earth, that uh, providing food and shelter. And he says, verse 22, can you imagine this? You, your majesty, you are that tree. And, and that part of the, the dream is good, right? You know, you become great and strong and everything else, but then then this the next part of the dream, and that's when the tree is is chopped down, and and that's when he kind of when he doubles down, you know, Nebuchadnezzar doesn't want this dream to be fulfilled, so he's gonna try to thwart it and everything else. And then finally, Daniel says, verses twenty four and twenty five, this is an interpretation, Your Majesty, and this is the decree the Most High has issued. He'll be driven away from people and live like the wild animals. And of course, we know that's exactly what happened. Yes, it is. Uh, he he just basically he lost. He went crazy, <laughs> you know, eating grass like donkeys, <laughs> everything else. And so what I think this tells you is the story. Here's the king, the most powerful nation in the world at that time. 
And yet God could abase, God could humble him and, and use Daniel, his servant, Daniel, the prophet, to be able to reach and, and, and send a message. And so God does speak to kings, to, to heads of state, to leaders. And in this case, uh, he did that with Nebuchadnezzar. And you know, no, there's nobody in this world that's so powerful, and, and they may be powerful, that God isn't still trying to reach in some way. In this case, God divinely intervenes through his prophet to kind of give him a wake-up message that, hey, you're not so powerful that I can't actually humble you and humble him. He did. So that's our first case study, first example. And then yes, today we go right to Naaman. Yeah, so Naaman, those of you who know the story, it's the, the prophet. And, and as he comes to him, Naaman has leprosy. And I like that the lesson brings out that he has two requests of the prophet. And as he comes before him, he, he, he asks, can I be cured of leprosy? And then we'll get to the second one here, here in a moment. But as he comes, he, he says, hey, I have leprosy. And God gives the message to, I believe it's Elijah. He's like, go ahead and tell him to dip in and into the Jordan River seven times. And the seventh time he comes out and he's clean. And I found it very interesting, Michael. There's something new that you, you learn every single time, right? Mm -hmm. There at the end on verse 17, it says, so Naaman said, then if not, please let your servant be given two mule loads of earth for your servant will no longer offer either burnt offering or sacrifice to other gods, but to the Lord. Yet in this thing, may the Lord pardon your servant when my master goes into the temple of Remnon to worship there and he leans, uh, and he leans on my hand and I bow in the temple of Remnon. When I bow in the temple of Remnon, may the Lord please pardon your servant in this thing. And it says that he says to him, go, Elisha, I should say. Elijah tell, Elisha tells him, go in peace. So he parted from him in a short distance. And I like how the lesson brings out, Elisha did not pardon him for this thing. He just told him, go in peace. God's giving you the conviction of this thing. Go and follow that conviction. And it just reminds me, Michael, of someone who was very powerful, who knows what they're doing right from wrong. And sometimes God gives us conviction. And sometimes as pastors, we want to lean in and give it to someone. Yeah, see, if you should be doing that, God just cured you and you need to be stopping doing this and all this. No, he just says, go in peace, go in peace, go live the life that Christ has called you to live. But you know that life to live and I'm not going to pound you to the ground with it. There is also a quote here from Acts of the Apostles, page 416. Christ died for all, regardless of the backgrounds, wealth, ethnicity, or status. God ceaselessly draws all humanity to himself, including those individuals classed among the powerful non-Christians of the world. This is a powerful message to all of us that whenever we come across anyone, it's an opportunity for Christ to shine through. It's an opportunity for Christ to draw. And it's irregardless of, of class, of, of creed, of whatever it might be, there's something for us to learn. There's also something for us to give. And we should take up, the, up on those opportunities and allow Christ once again to shine through. And so, Michael, with that being said, we just talked about naming. Let's stick with these in names and let's go to Nicodemus, Tuesday's lesson. Absolutely. Another great case study, right? It's powerful and influential people from Bible times. And Nicodemus is described as a learned man, a ruler of the Jews. And so it's not surprising to us. Uh, in fact, in another place, he's called a teacher of Israel. And so he was an influential person. And yet, despite all of that, his influence, 
he comes and finds Jesus, you know, and, and, and there's the famous conversation about needing to be born again in John chapter three, right? Uh, and probably the most famous verse in the Bible is kind of comes out of that story, John three sixteen, but in verse four, it talks about Jesus tells him, cause he sees all the signs that Jesus is doing. He says, you can't be, can never see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. And then Jesus, I mean, Nicodemus says to Jesus, how can someone be born when they're old? Right? So this is kind of this, this kind of almost whimsical conversation. And then Jesus says, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and of spirit. And so he's trying to pound home or invite him really, but yes. just idea of that, that what is going on is, is there's a, a spiritual Jesus is, is trying to get through to his heart. And, and, and that's, and, and finally Nicodemus, how can this be? Right. And, and, <laughs> and Jesus like, you're Israel's teacher. I mean, Jesus had a sense of humor too, right? I mean, <laughs> don't you know, I mean, you're the, you're the, you're the professor, you're the, you're the, you're the expert. <laughs> and, and yet Jesus, once again, is kind of digging down and it's amazing is that this conversation that takes place at night, it, it, it does bear seed it bears fruit we don't see that immediately but we see this later on in the same gospel john chapter 7 right we have a description here where nicodemus and it says in chapter 7 verse 50 nicodemus right who had gone to jesus earlier and who is one of his of their own number he, he does the law condemn a man without fear without first hearing him right so he's actually kind of coming to bat for Jesus, like, you know, Hey, let's, let's not act too rashly, uh, too, too hastily here. Uh, so God is using him in a, in a strategic way as the gospel story, uh, is unfolding. And then finally, we really see what's happened, uh, verse 19. And this is after the death of Christ on Calvary and Joseph of Arimathea is going to bury and he's trying to go for the body of Jesus. And then who shows up? He's not afraid. He's not doing this at nighttime. He's openly standing with at a moment of, of crisis, right? When, when, when the disciples are at their lowest, they've all run and fled. And yet Joseph comes to get the body of Jesus. And who comes with them? Nicodemus. He's influential. He's powerful. He lends credibility. Yes. Uh, and so they take, they take the body of Jesus with the myrrh and aloes and everything else. And they, they wrap his body and, and bury him. And so it's interesting how, you know, sometimes we expect instantaneous conversions and sometimes conversions don't happen instantaneously. There's seeds that are slowly sown. Jesus had planted those seeds and they will bear fruit. And, and he would use his influence, his, his power. And Ellen White talks about this in Acts of the Apostles, how he was a major force in the spread of the gospel, which raises this question. I mean, we've talked about these three case studies. We're talking about the powerful, right? Those right. who are powerful, usually people who are powerful are also very wealthy. And that raises lesson, the lesson for Wednesday, which is, you know, how do we actually reach those who are powerful, who are wealthy? Yeah. So Matthew 19 gives a, a percopy into the life of the rich young ruler, but mm -hmm. it ties it in wonderfully with the story of Nicodemus, someone who was wealthy. And we know he is wealthy because when Christ dies, uh, we see he's the one that funds the spices and the, I guess you would say the ointments that the, his body's covered with, which were costly. Mm -hmm. And he is the one that helps with that. So we see someone who eventually does accept Christ, but then we also come across to Matthew 19, where someone who does not accept Christ 
And he comes to him, this is a, a, a rich young ruler, the Bible describes him as, and says, good master, what must I do to have eternal life? Jesus tells him there's no one that is good. He says, but if you want to have eternal life, keep, basically keep the commandments. Yeah. Verse 18, he asks which ones. Jesus replies, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honor your mother and your father, and love your neighbors yourself. And he got excited because he says, I have kept all these. What do I still lack? And Jesus answered him, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. If you haven't had the chance to, audience, please go to Desire of Ages and read this chapter over the rich young ruler. And she writes this line that I'll never forget. He walked away because the world was to forever receive his worship. Wow. And that's what this is about, which is what's going to receive our worship or whom or who is going to receive our worship. Hopefully it's Christ. Hopefully it's not our possessions. Hopefully it's not even people in our lives. Hopefully it's God and God alone. As a result of that, he blesses us with people in our lives. He blesses us with possessions in our lives, but they ultimately belong to him. Uh, and this story, I, I love this Wednesday's lesson, Michael, because it also ties it in with Zacchaeus, someone else who is also incredibly rich, uh, mm -hmm. probably through some other means, right? He was a tax collector and probably charged a little bit more on top and received some. And when Jesus calls him down from the tree and he goes to his house that day, uh, and Zacchaeus basically asks what, what I need to do for restitution, he doesn't tell him to sell all of his possessions, which is very interesting. Instead, Zacchaeus says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to return back fourfold everything that I've taken. So if I've taken a dollar from you, I can give back four times that, that amount. But he decided to do this, and Jesus didn't command him. And the lesson brings out a really good point of saying uh, Jesus knew the hearts of these two individuals, and he knew that this uh, rich young ruler was tied to his possessions, and Zacchaeus was not. Zacchaeus had a conversion moment. He had a change of heart. As a result of that, the requests of him were different, and the conversion of him was different as well. But in both of these, and I want to make this very clear, there was choice. I think Christ, not I think, I know Christ could have guilted that rich young ruler mm. just selling his possessions and following him. He could have guilted him so bad and said, okay, I guess the gates of hell are for you or the, 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 the hell's fires are for you. And he could have given him a fire and brimstone message that shook him to the core that he decided to come. But no, Jesus simply compelled him. So if you want to follow me, this is what you're going to, this is what you're called to do. Mm. And he let him walk away. And I think for some of us, we read how to mission to the rich, mission to the powerful. Well, part of that is many of them will walk away. Some of them will walk away. But some of them will accept. And our duty is not to convert anyone. Our duty is to share a message. Our duty is to share love. Our duty is to share Christ. And when we do, it gives them a choice of whether they're going to respond, oh, of how they're going to respond, I should say. Right. And, and so, Michael, that brings us to this final uh, Thursday's lesson that we're going to be talking about, Mission to the Powerful. Exactly. So, you know, the same thing again, we've talked about wealth, but also power, power's influence. We tend to think of power, you know, most often with government leaders, people that have authority, right? So, and it comes back to the story of uh, 
Nicodemus, you know, with Joseph of Arimathea, and they go to collect the body of Jesus, right? And so he's able to lend his influence. And we talked about that a little bit, but I think it's good to reflect on it just a little bit more to kind of just remind ourselves that God works through people. He does. It's, you know, there will be people, maybe even people listening to this podcast that we know that in, in this case, you know, there's political pressure that exerted in this case against Jesus, against the gospel. That's how Jesus ended up being crucified, right? They, they used their, their influence and the system that they had to be able to, to crucify Christ. And so, um, but yet there were others who were willing to exert their influence to stem the tide, to hold back some of what was happening and to ameliorate or mediate in some kind of way. And so, yes, here we have Nicodemus again, using his influence to bury Christ. And there'll be people that despite whatever political pressure is going on, and this is not a partisan comic, because I know we've got people that have strong feelings to the right and to the left and who knows what else. I know we've got people the up and down and everything else all around the world that listen to this podcast, right? So it's not a political statement, but it is a reminder. We have people that do hold offices of responsibility in the military and the government. And that will be, uh, God is using, God is calling them to use their, their power, their influence to be able to advance the gospel. And we have to be careful with that. It's not to force the gospel, force the gospel on anyone, but, but to be able to use within the same means to allow the work of, of, of God to, to move forward. In this case, it was a, this was a, a time of mourning, a time of one of those pivotal moments in all of salvation history. And, and here. Uh, once again, Joseph, Arimathea, and uh, Nicodemus, they show up when it counts. Yes. You know, Michael, I, I love that, what you shared, which is, once again, there's personal choice. There was compelling. There was a life that was lived, and there was a life that was decided to turn. Yeah. And, and it saddens me because there's some lives that decide not to turn. And and there's lives that are inside of the church that are rich and that are powerful, and they they're not converted. Yeah. And there's some poor people that are not converted that are in the church as well. So it's not just a matter of wealth. It's a matter of heart. Absolutely. By the way, you know, I'm just reminded we had urine meetings at the North American Division a few weeks ago, and we had uh, Chaplain uh, Barry Black, yes, Chaplain of the United States Senate. And obviously, this is a position of significant influence, you, you probably would say, right? And uh, here he is sharing to the Adventist church leaders from across North America and by the way, I'm, I'm not sharing anything that is a secret. You can listen to his, his devotional talk that he spoke to all these church leaders. It's posted on the North American Division webpage, so you can listen to the whole thing. But he was challenging us to, to, to pray for the leaders of this country and of both parties. He said, I, I wish I, I could tell you, you know, but some of these, these are key leaders and, and you know, our, our senators who are just believers who believe in the word of God and who are just faithful Christians trying to exert their influence from both parties to be able to advance, to, to work in ways that would further the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And yes. they're just believers who, who are trying to work within their influence in proper ways. But it was really encouraging to hear that. And of course, you know, he's talking out of his own wheelhouse, his own experience. But, but here we have some of the leaders of our country. And it's nice to, it's refreshing to hear that despite the partisanness of so much of what goes on, there are people trying to use their faith and to find ways to build bridges and, and to work together. You know, Michael, this hits home because part of my duties at Avent Health now are 
mm-hmm. physician well-being. And sometimes doctors are very difficult to reach. But mm-hmm. man, uh, I've heard horror stories and everything else. But all the interactions that I've had thus far, are, they're human. They're they're people that have been through very specialized training, and ten out of ten of them have gone into it for reasons of they want to care for people. They want to care for humanity. Wow. And it yeah. just it just shows me like there's a there's a quote that Sister White has in uh, Ministry of Healing in Friday's lesson. It says, "Much is said concerning our duty to the neglected poor. Should not some attention be given to the neglected rich? Many look upon this class as hopeless. Thousands of wealthy men have gone to their graves unwarned, but in but indifferent as uh, as they may appear, many among the rich are soul burdened." And so that's what this is about, which is looking for opportunities to reach anyone that the Holy Spirit is compelling us to reach, uh, praying for people that we have written off and having no idea what that prayer is going to do, because when we pray, God moves. So don't give up. Keep praying. Keep looking for opportunities. Beautiful. Well, I couldn't have said it better myself, and I just invite our listeners to uh, look for the, the Holy Spirit if he's tugging your heart in some way to reach out. Uh, don't be afraid to do that. Rich or poor, whoever it might be, but especially we're thinking of those who do have influence that God might just be using you to to reach somebody that could make a difference for the kingdom of heaven. So, Amen. Well, this is a, a wrap on another week, so join us again each week as we discuss through the Sabbath School lesson. Until next week, this is Soup and Swoops signing, signing out. out. As we wrap up, we want to give a shout out to our sponsor, the Adventist Learning Community a ministry of the North American Division of Seventh-day Adventists. You can join us each week by subscribing on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Also, make sure you share with as many people as possible. And be sure to give us feedback by rating our podcast and go to our website, sabbathschoolrescue.org, for each weekly episode.